7.6 billion. Now that's a big number. That's how many people there are on Earth. In the U.S. alone, estimates say that out of 328 million, there are nearly 246 million lost souls, men, women, boys, and girls that don't know Jesus. Those numbers seem big, but what if we were to focus on the number one? The Bible tells us that heaven rejoices every time one person comes to know Jesus. What if we were to focus on the daily conversations, those everyday meaningful interactions for Christ that can truly make an eternal difference in someone's life? We can reach our nation with the gospel. We can reach the millions. We can reach our friends and family and neighbors by starting with one. Who's your one? Who's your one? So you can see Pastor John, he's kind of adamant about that, and he's kind of passionate about it. Dr. Johnny Hunt, you've heard me mention him many times before, as he's uh, working now with the North American Mission Board. Hey, take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Y'all doing all right? Kind of quiet out there, man. It's quiet. That's good, I guess, in a way. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. We're also going to be looking briefly at Philippians 1.12, which was probably just a, a page over. And uh, so Ephesians chapter 6. You know what? Let's stand one more time. I'm sorry. As we uh, uh, read God's word out of respect to God's word. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 18. Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, all the saints, and for me, that the utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Then flip the page over to Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 12. Philippians 1, 12. But I want you to know, remember he's talking to the Philippian church here. Before his Ephesians church, this is the Philippian church. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Father, we pray uh, that you would help us to understand your word, Lord, that we would respond to the word of God today. Holy Spirit, speak to us, convict us, mold us, shape us, form us into the image of Christ. Lord, may we confess sin and may we uh, make our hearts right with you. And Lord, if our hearts are right with you, may we rejoice in that righteousness. Lord, that we have a, a thriving uh, relationship with you. Bless our time in your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The title of our message today is Pray for Us. Pray for us. Uh, as we look in this passage here, very familiar uh, chapter in Ephesians. And I briefly want to just point out the context of the chapter. Uh, many of you have memorized these verses. You know what these verses are about. It starts out in, in verses uh, 1 through 9 where Paul's telling the Ephesians, uh, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that may uh, be well with you and you, you may have a uh, long life, live long on the earth. That There's those promises. And he goes on to uh, speak towards uh, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Amen, dads. 
Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And he goes on to speak to servants. Servants, you ought to obey your masters. You ought to do what your masters tell you to do. And then he speaks to the masters as well. And in saying, masters, you need to uh, take care of, you need to respect, you need to honor, and you need to love those who serve you. And that's verses 1 through 9. Then we get to verses 10 through 17 and the very familiar passage about the armor of God. We got that down, right? We got the armor of God. Be strong in the, in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil, evil day and having done all to stand. And it talks about how we fight against principalities and, and powers and, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And, and he goes on to, to uh, specifically tell you what the, the uh, articles of, of armor are, right? The helmet of salvation, right? And the sword of the spirit and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and, and the belt of truth and having your feet shot with preparation of the gospel of peace, right? And we usually, we take all that and we go through verse 17, we're like, yeah, the armor of God. But, and we kind of stop right there usually. We usually stop at verse, uh, at that verse where it speaks towards the, the armor of God and the sword of the spirit in verse number 17. And we kind of go, okay, yeah, that's the armor of God. But read on. There's one more piece to the armor. Did you, did you recognize what it was? It's prayer. It's prayer. We usually stop at verse 17. In fact, look in your Bibles right now, and I'll even show you in my Bible. And you probably, I'm sure you can see it because you're so close, and you, these writing, these letters are so big. But right there, there's a break. How many of you have a break in your chapter, and it says something below that after verse number 17 and 18? There's a break right there, right? And, and of course, that's just man putting uh, the breaks in there, and that's okay. That's not a big deal. It kind of helps us as we read and, and sections things off. But really, the, the, the warrior there is just as a stop with verse number 17, with the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It goes even further to include prayer as part of that armor, the final tool for the soldier. Why? Because when it comes to the souls of men, there is no greater battle. When you and I begin to reach people for Jesus Christ, when we begin to reach our one, when we begin to uh, share the gospel with them, Satan and the hordes of hell will do whatever they got to do to stop you. They will. I've talked to people before, and, and it's not like, you know, they're going to send fire from the... It's not, not nothing like that at all. It's usually little stuff. It's usually little distractions here and there. It's usually little things to get you off topic, you know, and, and, and things like that. But nonetheless, when people start receiving Christ, Satan ain't happy, amen? In fact, he's pretty ticked off about that. So he's going to do all he can to stop with his uh, demonic forces to be able to stop us from sharing the gospel with other people. So we speak of the, the, this armor of God, and part of that armor is prayer. Why? Because we fight the greatest spiritual battle of all, and that is the spiritual battle for men's souls. And we've got to be aware of that. In verse number 18 here, Paul shares with us uh, basically how to pray. And then in verses 19 to 20, he shares with us what to pray. As we reach out to our one, probably the most vital aspect of reaching your one is prayer. It's got to be prayer. Praying for that person. 
praying for whoever that person is, praying for specifically who that person might be, praying for opportunities and praying for the gospel to go forward, praying for the right this and the right that. We're going to get into that as we look at this passage here. But he says here in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I want to point several things out here uh, when it comes to uh, praying. Paul says here, pray frequently. We should be praying frequently. He says, praying always. There ought to be a, a frequency there. So how am I going to pray for these people? When I, we want, in, in Philippians 1.12, for the gospel to go forward, to advance, what do we got to do? Pray. We got to pray. We got to pray with frequency. He says here, to pray always. Luke 21, 36, Jesus said to watch and pray always. Acts 2, 42, uh, Luke tells us that the people of the early church were devoted to prayer continually. And, and, and this is such an important part. Listen, folks, there's no way we're going to reach our one if we're not willing to pray about it first. We've got to be able to pray. Pray and call out to God. God, please save this person. God, please give me opportunities. God, please give me the right words. And again, we'll talk about these things here in a few moments. But in this verse, he says to pray frequently. Secondly, praying for power and direction. Look at it. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Where do we get our power? Y'all tell me. Where do we get our power? Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God who lives within you. The, the, The power of God is there. That's where our power lies, praying consistently with his will and his plan and his nature and his character, praying in concert with the Spirit of God. And sometimes, there'll be times, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, he says, you know what, there are going to be times you're not going to know what to say in prayer. There are going to be times where you're going to not know how to pray or what to pray for. That's when the Spirit kicks in, because the Spirit does know how he wants us to pray, amen? He communicates with the Father and the Son in heaven, and he prays for us. But nonetheless, we pray, should be praying for power and direction. As you reach to your one, whenever you reach out to your one, do you want to pray in the power of God? Do you want to reach them in the power of God? Yes or no? Amen. We got to have that, man. That's like going to the car and the car is sitting on empty and there's no fuel in it. You're not going anywhere. All right? Prayer is our gasoline, if you will. It's our fuel that will uh, help us in reaching that one for Christ. So we're praying frequently. We're praying for the power uh, and direction. And thirdly, we're praying expectantly. He says here that we're watchful. He's on alert. He's watchful. Look at it. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Praying expectantly. Y'all expect something with this whole who's your one thing? Does anybody out there expect anything to happen? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, two or three of us? Okay, I do. I do, amen? Let me ask you this. Do you want something to happen? I mean, I don't know how many we have in here, 55, 60, 70. I don't know how many we've got in here. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody got one? Yeah, it'd be cool, wouldn't it? I'd be, we'd be, woo! You know, that'd be one of those things that'd be just exciting, right? Pray expecting that. Now, as uh, I know many of you uh, were in Faith Builders over the past uh, couple of weeks, and one of the things, uh, themes that you heard from the video series we've been watching is that, one, it may take a while. It may take six weeks. It might take six years. You don't know. But nonetheless, pray expectantly. My own father, it took him years to accept Christ. He went to church with us for years until he finally came and gave his heart to the Lord. It takes time. But pray expecting God to do something. 
And I believe that if we'll pray with frequency and praying with God's power and for his direction, and we pray, God, I just know you're going to save this person, I believe God will do it. I truly do. Luke chapter 11, verse 9, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and what? It's going to be up to you. You know what's interesting about those words? Is those things are consistent. They're participles. In other words, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on looking, keep on seeking. Uh, I remember uh, growing up, uh, sometimes I'd sit in my grandfather's lap. I, um, one grandfather I didn't know, he passed away before I got to know him. The other one uh, was my step-granddad, but I remember he would uh, put a quarter or a 50-cent piece, maybe in a dollar piece, I don't remember, but he'd put it in his hand. Maybe some of you have done this with your kids or maybe your grandkids. They put a, a, a coin in there, and they'd say, come here, sit down at Grandpa's lap. And he said, you know what, I got something in here for you, but you got you to gotta work to get it. And so as a little baby, as a little child, you know, we'd be sitting there, and you get one finger open, right? And of course, Grandpa's controlling this whole thing. And there's one thing about getting this little, this little treat, right? Once you, get, once you open one finger, that one finger's got to stay open, right? That's like a universal rule, all right? It's got to stay open. So then you get the, the second one, and, and then you get number three and number four, and eventually you get what's in there. But as you're sitting there in Grandpa's lap, you keep at it, don't you? You don't go, oh, man, he's not. Now, we all know his dad's. And as grandparents, eventually, you know, we, we know what their strength level is. Eventually, we're going to kind of give a little, and eventually the whole hand's going to open up so they can get that quarter, that 50-cent piece, or that dollar piece. But they keep at it, and they keep at it, and they keep at it until they get it. That's what Jesus was saying in Luke 11. You keep knocking. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep doing these things, expecting God is going to go, there you go. There it is. It's happening, and then that, that person is led to Christ. But also, not only that, but praying specifically. He says here, you'll notice in the verse, praying with all prayer and supplication. Supplication. You see that word in there twice at the very end. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. What that's saying is this. The word prayer is a very general word. Get anything and everything. But when you start talking about supplications, those are specific prayers. God, I would like for you to, when we're speaking about reaching this one for Christ, God, I would like you to name their name. Folks, this is why we have, I was speaking with someone today, one of our, our folks, and they were, uh, I don't know where you are here. I don't know where you are. You ought to be on about, about day 20, 19, 20, 21, somewhere in there, because we handed these out about three weeks ago. But if you've been doing it, have you noticed the prayers, how specific the prayers are? And there are no two prayers exactly alike. And these prayers are matching up with the scriptures that they give you. And it's like, whoa, look at all these things I could be praying for my one about. Look at all the things that God desires through his word. He shows us that he would want us to pray for. Praying specifically. Paul's saying here, listen, I want you to pray for all the saints. But I also want you to pray for me. By the way, did you notice that? Did you notice that in verse number 19? At the end of verse 18, he says to pray for all the saints. And then what what does he say after that? And for me. And for me. In other words, pray for everybody. Pray for the saints too, but also pray for me as the apostle. Pray for me as the teacher. Pray for me as the leader that I may open my mouth boldly 
to make known the mystery of the gospel. What's he talking about? He's talking about giving the gospel out to people so they can be saved. Pray for me. Listen, this is why we, listen church, we need to pray for each other. We say we don't have time to pray, or I'm not sure what to pray about. Let me tell you something about prayer. The list is endless. Amen? If we really just sat there and cut out all the clutter and all the stuff and all the activity and everything else, and just said, you know what, I'm going to focus on prayer. Father, show me what I can pray for and how to pray for it. I guarantee you God's going to open your mind. I guarantee you God's going to open your spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to begin to work and say, all right, you asked for it, here it comes. Because there is plenty, plenty to pray for. It's a story of a tragedy that took place in South Florida in the Everglades uh, back in May of uh, 1996. Value Jet Flight 592 went down in the Glades and it killed 110 passengers. And um, of course, whenever planes crash like that, there's one specific thing that the, the people look for. Y'all remember what that is? Black box. Got to find that black box. That's going to tell us volumes of information. What happened? And of course, you know from the Everglades, oh, that, that's, that's muck upon muck upon muck. Throw on top of that the, air, the, the, the plane fuel. Throw on top of that all the hydraulic fuel, uh, fluid. When you talk about, excuse me, transporting over 100 people, pretty massive plane, right? For 14 days... 14 days, they searched and searched and searched. Water as deep as 8, 9, 10 feet. And through all this, in fact, the, the, the fuel and everything was so dense, so thick, that they had to wear specialized rubber suits uh, as they, they dove down and they, they took ropes and they tied them around each other and they were never more than 3 or 4 feet apart from one another as they searched every square foot of that area where the plane went down. And they simply could not find it. They could not find that black box. Sergeant Felix Jimenez of the Metro-Dade Police Department was one of those searchers, and he said uh, that for 14 days he prayed for the victims, he prayed for the families, he prayed for all those affected, but that on the 14th day it occurred to him not one time did he pray that they would recover the black box. So then he asked God, on the 14th day of their searching, he asked God to help them to recover the black box. They got out, after that, got out there just like they'd done all the other 13 days, started poking their holes down in, their poles down in the water, tried to feel something, all of a sudden, ping, ping, they hit something metal. Sure enough, you know what it was. It was the black box. After he had spent time praying for it, this is what he said. This is recorded. I get this from guideposts. It says, at the end of the day, I thought of the many days we spent searching for the recorder, how we must have tromped over it so many times, and I wonder why its retrieval had taken so long amid the low rustle of sawgrass and all the great white heron that were in the water. I seemed to hear the response. Why did it take so long to ask? Wow. Wow. What did he do? He prayed specifically. That's what, that's what we've been doing here, praying specifically. And I hope that you've been using that. 
But this is what Paul is saying. Hey, pray for the saints. Pray for us. Pray, pray frequently. Pray all the time. Pray for power and direction for us. Pray expecting God to do something. And pray specifically for us. But pray for us. Paul asked the Ephesians to pray for him. He proclaims the message of the gospel as he is an ambassador in chains. But then he asked the Ephesians to pray in such a way so that the gospel goes forth in Philippians 1.12 and to pray what to pray for. What to pray for. Let me give you three things here. That was what, how should I pray. Now what do I pray? What should I pray? Number one, pray that we would speak. And I say we because Paul's including himself and the saints. Pray, number one, that we would speak the right words. Speak the right words. Look at verse 19. He says, and for me, that utterance may be given to me. What's he talking about? Words. And the, the videos that we saw. What do you, in order to win somebody to Christ, in order to share the gospel, what do you got to use? Words. They got to be able to hear it. So in order for them to hear it, we have to use words. But praying and asking God, God, give me the proper words. Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my Redeemer and my strength. Praying for wisdom. God, as I, as I share with my one, how can I get around? How can I get to the point where I actually ask them a gospel question? Lord, give me the right words. Help me to be thinking the right things. Lord, give me that situation that, that whenever it comes up, I can, I can use that as a springboard into a, a gospel connection. God, give me those words. Give me words of love. Give me words of compassion. Give me words that will, will send a message that I truly care and I truly want to see this person come to Christ. Pastor, how can I pray? What can I pray whenever I'm, I, I'm, I'm scared to death of this whole who's your one thing? And I just, you know what, pray, ask God for wisdom. God, give me wisdom when it comes to my words that I would select the right words. Number two, pray to speak life, not death. Pray to speak life, not death. Would y'all agree with me? There is enough hurt and heartache and misery in this world. Amen? Yeah, there's enough of it out there. They, people don't need any more. There's plenty of it. We as believers ought to be speaking life, not death. Now, there would be those who would, you know, get up there and, well, I mean, you don't accept Jesus. Let me tell you, you're going to split hell wide open. Let me tell you. And you better accept you. You're going to burn in hell for eternity. Now, are those truths? Yes, they are. But how do they come across? A very mean-spirited, very uncompassionate, you know. They, they, they come across in a wrong way. So speak life, not death. God, help me to speak words that are sweet. Words that are filled with life. Words that are compassionate. Words that will bring them to Christ because I'm speaking life into them. Listen, brother, I, I realize the opposite side of, of not going to heaven is going to hell, but you want to focus on heaven. You want to focus on eternal life. You want to focus on what Jesus did, what Jesus said, and what Jesus will do if we'll simply receive him. And our focus is there. Our focus is asking God, God, help me, please help me to speak life to this person so that they'll understand that God loves them and that God has a plan for them. You know, that's one of the things that um, as I, I, I talk to young people and as I talk to adults, people are, are, are dispirited today. People are downtrodden. People are like, what, where's, where, what's the deal? Where's the hope? 
And they're looking for hope. And guess what? We have it. Amen? We have the hope. And we need to speak life and speaking hope to them and praying and asking God to help you do that. For some people, that's very easy. For others, maybe not so much. It's to speak life, not death. Number three, pray for impactful words. Impactful words. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each one. Impactful words. We've all done this. We've all, if you've ever had a relationship with somebody, we've all done this. Some of you guys out there, you've done this with your sweeties. Yes? Yeah, impactful words. Hey, baby. How you doing? You look good. Whew. How you doing, girl? You know? <laughs> Why y'all pointing to my wife? Leave her alone. Buy him candy, flowers, sweet talk him. You build that relationship. Then you get married, and then they find out the real you. <laughs> Isn't that the truth, ladies? Yeah, yeah. It goes both ways, trust me, right? But why do we say those words? Because we want to impact them. We want to have an impact on who they are and hopefully wooing them over to one day being our girlfriend or being our steady. I don't know, is that even a word today? Do they even have that anymore? Will you be my steady? Why are, you, why are you laughing back there, brother? <laughs> but, you know, it's true. We do that. We do that all the time. We try to woo people, and, and we've done that with our spouses. But as we reach the lost, praying that we would speak the right words, impactful words. Number two, pray that we would have a spiritual awareness and biblical clarity. A spiritual awareness and biblical clarity. Look back in uh, the book of Ephesians again. Paul says here, and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Open my mouth boldly. When is the right time to speak, God? Give me a spiritual awareness of knowing what to say and when to say it. Help me to be aware when to speak. And when we think about this, I pray right, I think right away of praying for good listening skills. We heard about that in that video series, right? We heard that over and over again. Be a good listener. When you're a good listener, people understand that they truly care about you. When, when they tell you their story or they tell you some things about their life and maybe about their kids or their family, and then you, you bring that up again a little bit later. Uh, you know, they tell you about uh, little Johnny who's been playing uh, baseball and uh, Johnny had a really good day at the ball field. And then the next week when you see him again, hey, Johnny had a good week the, the week before. How did he do this past week when they had ball games, you know? And people begin to go, oh, you actually care about me. You remembered what I said. You remembered what went on from before. But praying, praying for good listening skills. Listen for clues. Listen for clues. And whenever we think about uh, the, the, the video series a few moments ago that we, we witnessed, the three knots. Remember that? Listen for those three knots. I'm not having a good day. Whoa, you're not having a good day. Why not? Are you okay? Is somebody sick? You having trouble at work? Having trouble? Are, are y'all okay? You know, and begin to show interest in them and praying that, that we would have God give me good listening skills. Help me to be 
a good listener. James 1.19, I love this verse. Every parent loves this verse. James 1.19, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Swift to hear. In other words, listen fast, speak slow. There's a, you, we've all heard this. There's a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth. Because we need to listen twice as much as we talk, probably, I would imagine. That'd, but that would w- look kind of weird, too, having two mouths over here and one ear right there. I don't know. But nonetheless, being a good listener, asking God, God, help me whenever I'm reaching out to my one, that I would listen to their story. I would listen to their life. I would take note. I would listen for those those little clues that share with me what their spiritual condition is, what they're struggling with in life. But pray that we would have a spiritual awareness and biblical clarity there. Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. The word studies there means to think about, to meditate upon. In other words, think clearly before you speak. Now, I don't know about the rest of you men, but I think this is pretty much a, a constant thing for guys. Men like to fix stuff. Don't we, Brother James? You don't? It's because every time, every time he turns around, there's another note in his box. That's why. <laughs> men like to fix stuff. All right? That's just, I don't know, it's part of our wiring. Is part, and, and even if I don't know how to fix it, I'm going to try to fix it. If I can't fix it, I'm going to find somebody else to come in and fix it. You know, somebody comes to me on campus, pastor, this has happened. Okay, well, let's get to it. What are we going to do? What are we got to make this phone call or I got to call James or got to call a, this guy or, or my, can, is it something I can do? And then, boom, I'm, I'm, I'm at it, right? And guys like to fix things. This is why whenever, uh, uh, ladies, I'm sorry, whenever you want to talk to us, sometimes we just want to jump in and rah, you know, and fix it. Now, some of you are shaking your head, no, okay, that, that's just your husband. He's wired differently. God bless him and, and everything. And I get that. But Generally speaking, we, I just like to fix things. But you know what? Men, sometimes our wives just want us to not fix a single thing. They don't want us to do anything. They simply want us to listen. And someone who doesn't know Christ, sometimes they just want you to listen. And sometimes we just need to listen. Listen to their hurts. Listen to their heartaches. Listen to their joys their celebrations, the good things that are going on in life, and celebrate with them. But being a good listener, learning to be quiet until it's time to talk. Ecclesiastes 3.7, there's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Amos chapter 5, verse 13, the prudent keep silent at that time. Be wise when we're sharing with others and praying, God, help me to learn to be quiet, help me to learn to listen. Because once we start talking about us and our lives, often people just go, eh, we want to hear about them. I mean, after all, it's about who's your one. It's about them. So learning to listen to them. And also, just throw this out there to you, as we, Paul says here, to, uh, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth to boldly, boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. I want to challenge you, church. I want to challenge you to rehearse your story and be clear about his story. Rehearse your story and be clear about his story. Do you know what your story is? Do you know what your salvation story is? I know what mine is. I've shared that with you many times before. I'm not going to share that all over again. I could share it with you in the next three to five minutes, but most of you have heard it. But do you know your story? What were you like before you accepted Christ? 
Maybe you weren't, you know, an axe murderer <laughs> or a drug dealer or anything. You weren't anything like that. But you know what? For me, I just didn't care anything about God. I didn't. I didn't care anything about church. I didn't care anything about reading my Bible. I didn't care anything about praying unless I got in trouble. Oh, God, please help my dad not to kill me. You know, that was pretty much the extent of it. But what was like, what was life like before you got saved? And what was life like when you met Jesus? Could you share that with somebody? You know what that was? And how have things changed since you've met Jesus? I can tell you, this old guy right here, I got saved early. I got saved when I was about 12 years old. I thought I was saved before, then when I got saved. When I got saved, I mean, it was all in. All in. God changed my life. Man, I was involved in, in bus ministry. I was involved in adult choir. I was involved in youth choir. I was involved in visitation two, three times a week. I was involved in the, the, uh, the maintenance ministry of our church and doing a whole lot of cleanup. I was involved with a lot of the service. And God absolutely transformed me. And it wasn't that I gave up the drug habits and all that. And it wasn't anything like that. But God changed me to not caring about him, to falling in love with him. Rehearse your story in your mind. Have you ever done that? I know it sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? To stand in front of the mirror in the bathroom, shut the door, and then say, all right, tell yourself how you just got saved. But rehearse it. Go over it. Get it in your mind, because eventually, if you truly reach out to who's your one, that one, that one person may ask, what happened to you? How did it go with you? What was it like for you? Tell me about it. Oh, man, doors wide open to tell and share your story. And be clear about his story. Do you have a verse? Do you have a verse that you could share? When we were watching our video, I love the verse that they shared, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I love that verse. And he showed how you could share the gospel just memorizing that one verse. See, and I shared with our, our folks from Faith Builders, a lot of believers think that I've got to have all this teaching and all this training and I've got to memorize all these verses. No, you don't. No, you don't. Share your story or just share a verse. Share John 3.16. Could you lead somebody to Jesus using John 3.16? I think so. There's a reason it's the most popular verse in the Bible, right? And in, in our world because people use it the most. And more people know that one than any other because they've heard it the most. But rehearse your story. Be clear about his story, what he did. Are you able to sit down and share with somebody? Let me tell you something. This is what Jesus did for you. Jesus is God and he was up in heaven. And he came down to this earth. He didn't have to, but he chose to. And the sinless son of God came to this earth. And you know what? He was born of a virgin. This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why if Jesus was born like anybody else would be born, we'd never celebrate Christmas. But he was born of a virgin. Wow. And for 33 years, he lived his life on this earth, never sinned. In fact, he fulfilled every command that God had. And he never sinned. But then he got accused of things he did not do. And the Bible says that he just went to the cross. And because the people wanted to kill him, and he allowed them to kill him. And then three days later, he raised from the dead. 
that's love. That's God. And, the, and God loves you so much that he went to the cross for you. He went to the cross and got experienced the Father's wrath instead of you in your place. Could you be clear about his story? Be clear about his story? Boy, that's so important. Last thing, pray that we would be courageous and bold. Look what he says. Pray that we would be courageous and bold. Paul says, pray for us that we'd be courageous and bold, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in, that in it, that is the gospel, in it I may speak, there it is a second time, boldly as I ought to speak. Pray that we would be courageous enough to start a gospel conversation. You know what I believe when it comes to this? I believe the number one reason why we do not have gospel conversations with people, I believe the number one reason is fear. I really do. We're scared to death. We're scared we're going to lose a relationship. We're scared we're going to get in trouble. We're scared we're not going to be able to answer a question or an objection they might have. We're scared that we're going to mumble it and fumble it and bumble it, you know, and, and you know what, church? Join the club. <laughs> that happens to me too. There are times I just, I, I don't know, you know? But pray that God would give us the courage enough to at least begin. And then I'm telling you, church, watch the Holy Spirit do what he does. And he takes over. And pray that we would be bold enough to say what needs to be said. Listen. I, I think I shared with you last Sunday how I had a, a uh, conversation with a man as we were out knocking on doors, a gentleman who was a Jehovah's Witness. And that was, a, that was a pretty, it was kind of an intense confrontation, okay? I'll just be honest with you. I was just walking away. And remember I told you I, that he said, I'm not interested. And I said, okay, God bless you. Well, you know, see you later. And I moved on. And I got to the end of the driveway. He says, you want to know why I'm not interested? That, that's just how he did it. And I'm just going, okay, here we go, <laughs> you know. But I thank the Lord that I was able to just stop. Whew. All right, Jesus, do your thing. And he, I let him talk until he got done talking. And then I said, sir, we're not going to agree. I'm not going to change what you believe, and you're not going to change what I believe. But I'll tell you this. God loves you. Jesus is God's son because Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He is God's son. He came and he died on the cross for you. And the only way you're getting to heaven is through him. Thank you. Have a nice day. And I moved on. I left it at that. And I could tell that as I said that, he's, that's, that's basically what he did. Listen. Be courageous enough to begin and then be bold enough to say what, it's, what you got to say. But Paul says, pray for me in the middle of this. Pray for me. You think of the thousands upon thousands that Paul reached with the gospel. They may not have gotten saved, but they heard the message, didn't they? And it wasn't just happenstance that he did it. Paul needed courage. By the way, do you remember where he was when he wrote this? He was in prison. And in, I believe it's in Philippians, he speaks of how pray for how the gospel is going through the Praetorian Guard. In other words, all of Caesar's guards. 
the gospel was going nuts right there under Caesar's nose. Wow, that's pretty cool because he was bold and courageous. Paul says, pray for us. Church, I want to challenge you to pray for your one, whoever that might be, to pray for yourself. God, give me the words. God, give me boldness. God, give me direction. God, help me when to be quiet and listen. Help me when to speak up and be bold. God, give me opportunities. God, give me an awareness that I can see that, oh, there's an opening. There's an opportunity. Here's a time, you know. And as you pray these things, you'll be able to reach out to your one. Who's your one? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we all struggle at this. I know I do. And God, it's a scary thought to confront somebody in a loving way, in a compassionate way, with their need for you. But Lord, you have commanded us. But Lord, help us to understand that it's not going to happen apart from prayer. Praying for ourselves, Lord, and praying for each other. Paul said, pray for all the saints and for me. Paul says, pray for us. God, may we be faithful to pray for each other. May we be faithful to pray for our one. May we be faithful to make prayer the center of our efforts, knowing that's where we get our direction. It's where we get our power. It's where we get our insight. It's where we get our courage. It's where we get our boldness. Lord, as I mentioned earlier this morning, I think of Nehemiah as he had to stand before the king, knowing that if he said the wrong words, that his life could end at any moment. And Lord, how the king inquired as to how Nehemiah was, was acting and his appearance and knowing that Nehemiah was sad and distraught and Lord, just before Nehemiah spoke up and was going to tell the king what's wrong, Nehemiah said a prayer. And that's all it says, Lord. I'm sure that prayer was, God, give me the right words. Help me to say this in the right way, knowing that he could lose his life. Father, may we be people of prayer. Praying the gospel, praying for people, praying for fellow believers, praying for the lost. God, give us a heart to reach the lost, we pray. Here today, and you may not know Christ as your Savior. I want you to know Jesus loves you. Say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven one day. God sent his only begotten son to this earth to die for you. He died for you, and he died in your place. He took upon himself God's wrath so that you would not have to experience. The Bible tells us that if we'll simply repent of our sins, we'll repent of our sin and ourself, and we believe and turn to him, that he'll save us. Would you do that today? You can call upon him right now. In the quietness of this moment, just call out to him and say, Dear God, I know that I've sinned. I know that I don't deserve to go to heaven. God, you are holy and I am sinful. 
But God, I believe that Jesus came. I believe that he died for me. I believe that he rose from the dead. And Father, I want to turn my life over to him. Please come into my life. Please save me. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. I trust you and you alone to forgive me of my sins and to take me to heaven. If you prayed that prayer and you truly meant it from the heart, look, Romans tells us that you're saved. You shall be saved. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. My prayer is that you are church faithful to pray as we should when it comes to this evangelism.